The family of a local teenager says she never would have left home without calling. It's praying for the best. I want my daughter home, man. And if she can't come home, I just want to know where she's at. These posters around the towns of Livermore and Jay beg anyone with information to come forward. Posters that Richard puts up every spring, never losing hope. An arrest in a nearly four-decade-old cold case thanks to cutting-edge DNA technology. The arrest happening exactly 39 years to the day. When Parabon Nanolabs used that sample to create 3D models of the suspected killer's face. It's heartbreaking. We miss her, and we're going to find her. We're going to keep looking until we do. It's like a never-ending nightmare. It doesn't end. It keeps returning and coming back. All right, so tonight we're talking with Detective Amy Johnson from the Major Crimes Task uh, Task Force, Kane County Sheriff's Office. Is that correct? That is correct. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, you had reached out to us about um, Bonnie Ray Kelly, who went missing July 9th, 2003. Correct. Um, now, can you tell us, give us a little bit of the background of the case? So... The background of the case is a little bit uh, different, I think, for the missing persons element because there's a lot of moving pieces involved. So from how the Kane County Sheriff's Office got involved was um, her parents, who are now deceased, actually got into contact with us saying, I haven't heard from my daughter, who's, of course, an adult. Um, she suffers from mental health. Um, she's a veteran, so I'm not sure if she's getting assistance. And her two kids, who live right across the street from the grandparents, haven't seen her in a really long time. So that's kind of how we got the ball rolling. She was actually reported missing and they hadn't spoken with her since 2002. But it wasn't until that entire year because it wasn't unlike her to be completely transient, kind of go from boyfriend to boyfriend and then touch base when she needed to. So that wasn't out of the ordinary. It was just until they really did not have that contact um, that they kind of questioned it. So in 2003, we actually got involved um, so apparently she went missing with her boyfriend. They were both homeless at the time, and that's how Ronald Stobieski comes in to play also. So I'm kind of working on two missing persons cases rolled up into one. Um, the complex nature of this also is I don't have an exact location as to where they were last seen because I have three locations where they were last seen. So I have one at the VA hospital in downtown Chicago or Cook County. They actually sought treatment for PTSD and probably some sort of prescription drug abuse. Um, they befriended a couple individuals. One is Ned, who was kind of the prime suspect involved, where we think if foul play happened, he would be one of our suspects. Um, second was when they befriended this individual at the VA hospital in Cook County. He actually said, I have a property way out west in Lee County, Illinois. So if you want to go through your social security benefits and your veteran benefits, you can sign them all to me monthly and that will be your rent check. Hmm. Right. So again, red flags, red flags, red flags. So was that ever done? Did they sign that over to him? We cannot confirm or deny that. We found um, a now deceased individual's ledger where he kept all the monthly rent, which it clearly says that Ronald is, which Ronald is an army vet also, he has all of his social security and all of his benefits given to this individual per month. Wow. So again, it got weird where, okay, then apparently they moved out to Lee County, Illinois. That's the last time they were heard after the VA hospital. Um, 
So we've kind of gone to different counties, but Cook County, of course, as we've all heard, is absolutely huge and chaotic. So I have both Aurora, where she went last missing. I have Cook County and Lee County, Illinois. So that's kind of how it fell on our lap. So that's a lot of area there. Right. To cover. It's hard to differentiate between what's fact and what's fiction or that urban legend. So that's what makes it a little bit more difficult to go through to say, are they buried in a basement? Are they not? Where were they last seen? That's so weird too. Like, I feel like that happens a lot where you, you hear all these little rumors inside things. And I don't know if it's just people trying to plant themselves into it or if it's, you know, maybe the person that did it spreading these other rumors. I don't know, but it's, it happens a lot, right? Yes. And that, again, is where our ground covered. Where do we start? Where do we end? Because, again, Cook County, who knows where these people were if they were transient? Because that's what it was. They went from one place to a next, um, no rent or anything else, and just made ends meet. So do you have evidence that uh, either his or her benefits were being cashed by somebody else other than that ledger? Yes and no. Social Security Administration, when we went to um, provide them with a subpoena and grand jury information said the individual opening the Social Security account has to be present. So of course it was, okay, well, number one, when her parents were still alive, they're, they're elderly and it wasn't signed out to them. So Social Security Administration just said, that's not our policy. So we had inklings because her kids are still alive, Bonnie's kids are still alive saying, we haven't seen a dime and they are still going someplace to a PO box or whatever that we're trying to track down. I can't believe there's wow. so much red tape involved when there's someone potentially dead or missing. Right, That's which safe. was incredibly frustrating. And we served this subpoena, I wanna say in 2004, or excuse me, 2007 or eight, where Social Security Administration flat out told us the person has to be coming in here in person. And when we said, well, what happens if this person met with foul play, we can't find them. We don't know what to tell you. They could at least tell you if, been, if it's been transferred to someone else though, right? Exactly. That would be, yeah, that would be the easiest to show who's cashing in these benefits, where do we go? Or even if it's a PO box, where is this PO box at? So um, in Maine, we have a thing where, that's where we're from. I don't know if you knew that, but. <laughs> I did, I did a little bit of research, so I don't know. <laughs> Uh-oh, she's seeing our backgrounds, Jeff. Oh, no, no. <laughs> um. So, I mean, after seven years of no contact with someone, you can have them legally. Is that a thing in Illinois as well? It is, but there's a lot of red tape to go through. So, Bonnie has siblings. And, of course, X amount of days from 2003 onward, her parents did pass away. And her older brother said, I need to declare her dead because she was the beneficiary to everybody. And she was oh, the one geez. to disperse out all of the will, hence, if she is not there. So, they were trying to. I don't think they were successful yet. Um, with that, because again, it's a lot of backward motion on trying to do that. Wow. And it's been 19 years, right? Yes. Oh, almost 19. Almost 19. Um, yep. So I'm still in contact. Her kids are grown. Um, she has two kiddos and they just, of course, does anybody want closure? If she's still alive and she just doesn't want to be found, so be it. Um, if she met with foul play, they've taken this time to say, We've kind of done our grieving process, but we'd like to know. So that's kind of where we're turning to unusual and unorthodox methods to say, hey, let's get the boots on the ground again and see, has anybody heard anything or seen her or him? Right. So one of the uh, urban legend type rumors that I heard was that uh, the gentleman had a barn and possibly may have had concrete poured soon yeah. after they disappeared. 
Yeah, so that was our urban legend in Lee County. We've actually debunked that. So a huge shout out to some of our uh, coworkers in St. Louis, Missouri. He runs an infrared company and infrared logistics. So he was actually nice enough to come out with the homeowner's approval because at one point when they went to the VA hospital, Bonnie and Ronald, um, they said this now deceased suspect, hey, I'll pay you X amount if you stay at my barn because there's a house and a barn attached to a huge um, farm property. Um, and the rumor was they went out there, they stayed a couple months and then all of a sudden no one saw them again. Um, so we did ground penetrating radar throughout the entire farm property, throughout all of the outhouses that had concrete and it came back negative where it wasn't such a thing. So we debunked that. So we can actually cross that off our list. Yeah, I was gonna, I was just gonna ask if they gave you permission to search that, but is, was it the same person still owned it? No, actually it was another gentleman where when he did purchase the property, he kind of knew the background of it. There was a lot of people that kept coming onto his property to say, hey, can we search, can we help? So he was just actually getting tired. He just wanted to live his retirement right. So this is kind of our inward step of, hey, by the way, if we do this, you can have the information too to show it's debunked 100%. So he was on board for that and we thank him. So forgive me for not keeping up with uh, all the different counties, but the, the one where you believe that they may have been, <clears throat> excuse me, the one that you believe they may have been last, is there any evidence that they were there? So if we're talking about Cook County in Chicago, because um, I'll go and skip, the VA hospital has their records after we did um, an extensive subpoena on them. So we do know a time frame when they were last seen and released. The barn and the house in Lee County, Illinois, um, which is maybe 45 minutes to an hour and a half, depending on traffic, um, west of Kane County, is pretty much they knew a time frame of like less than a month to two months and then a definite hard, we never saw them again. Okay. So do you guys know roughly when the benefits were transferred to the gentleman that they'd moved into with? So apparently we think that happened at the VA hospital in Cook County in Chicago, because that's where all of the checks were being received when they went for treatment, because both of them had PTSD and also a lot of mental health, um, bipolar, um, schizophrenia and so on. Um, so that's where they stopped. The only problem is our now deceased suspect went sideways and went foul play. Otherwise, we have other witnesses for that. Um, the checks were cashed in Warrenville, which is just, I guess, southeast from where the Cook County, or King County office is. So okay. it's all on the map in Illinois. I'm sorry, that's more confusing than what we need. <laughs> so does the family know you're coming on to talk to a podcast? No, they do not. Um, I talked with um, the son, who's kind of reserved the fact that she's dead and we just need to find a body. And he's come to terms with it. The daughter who lives in another state um, is more proactive, but she has a couple things she's working on too. So I didn't want to overwhelm them with anything else too, but I think they would be very proactive in knowing we're going the unconventional route to try and get our story out, just not in Kane County in Illinois, but out there throughout the world. Awesome. Now, how long have you been on the case? I started on the case in 2006 when I first became a detective up here. I now, as you can tell around, I am now working evidence technician and a detective, so I'm doing a dual role. So I worked on this case for five years. When I first came to detective, went back to the road for eight years, another five years in evidence. So a total of 10 years we've been working on it. Oh, wow. So when you were on the road, 
Were you still checking in on this case? This, I was. Is this one of those cases that just kept haunting you? Oh yeah, it will until I retire. And then even after that, I'll probably touch base with whoever takes it over to show where we at. Um, it is, it's, you can relate whether you're a mom, a, a dad or anybody else where a family member goes missing. We haven't talked. There's that, there's that missing piece that you just need to figure out. And that's kind of what drew us all to that because we labeled this as a cold case file because not knowing what it is, we just assume maybe she's dead. Um, so it just sparks that interest. And I'm looking at my case file as I'm talking to you. Yeah, um, with everything. So it just sparks that you need to find this person for closure for the family, for even the community, because this rattled a lot of people that were very close to this family. Now, with this being, this is classified as a missing persons case, or is it a criminal case? A little bit of both. We categorize this right now as just a missing persons, because number one, we have nothing else to, to suggest otherwise. But again, that level of preponderance too, we want to go through and treat it as a homicide just in case and work our way down. So we're kind right. of tag teaming that a little bit. Yeah, better safe than sorry, so you don't miss something, right? Absolutely. And nor do I, like you were saying, I don't want to overlook anything thinking it's just, oh, it's just a missing person's case. Because we all know that's something in itself too that's huge what's really infuriating is that you still have so much red tape to go through when you could have had oh yeah potentially an answer to solve everything right from the beginning if you would could have just found out where the benefits were going right oh yeah yeah right and that was the most frustrating because i remember sitting there and talking with i think it was the female um in charge of one of the branches and i'm like she might not be alive, so I don't know how she's coming in in person and her parents are extremely elderly. Well, she has to come in. Okay, but understand this. So it's it was the back and forth of, I don't think we're understanding each other. She said, you can do subpoenas because we do grand jury subpoenas here. So meaning we serve the paper. I'm not sure how it you know is on the Northeast, but pretty much we serve the paper. You either provide the documents or show up to court. And she goes, this doesn't go with our government agency for social security administration. So it's done. Okay. Unbelievable. How about back taxes? Did either one of them owe back taxes? Then maybe the government would get involved. Oh, no, right? No. So we went kind of the backwards route. Um, we actually had one of our investigators who was a former uh, veteran himself who actually went through all of the um, military benefits and they were actually able to get where those benefits were going, which was a P.O. box in Warrenville, which again, it's just 20 minutes away from King County. So Which we kind of got our answer a little bit, but just kind of a non-conventional way. And you're probably not able to get a subpoena for that P.O. box to get the information as to who owns the P.O. box? We can. It comes back to somebody who's moved 15 other times and we don't have a great address. And this case keeps like, once you think you're on the right track, it keeps twisting and turning where you're like, all right, start over again. Let me ask you this without, I mean, obviously you can't say much, but with that name, is it someone you've already been looking at? We have... Or... Um, it was deceased, um, so I think his family, who's the, the deceased suspect who owned that property at one point in Lee County, I think his family actually probably knows a little bit more. And they're kind of fragmented around the U.S. right now, so it's just trying to track down where these individuals are. He had several ex-girlfriends, too, meaning the suspect that we were looking at, so we're just trying to track them down again. Oh, so maybe one of them are picking up these checks in the PO right. box. Because again, it almost seems like several. there could be something lar larger going Absolutely. on here. Yep. Yep. So that's why it's quite intriguing. Also, number one, 
her home and Ronald home in case something bad has happened to both. But in the same way, if this is a criminal enterprise or entity that they stumbled across, obviously we want to make sure no one else has fallen into this too. What's also really upsetting about this is that this is potentially like some people taking advantage of veterans, some people who thought that they were getting a helping hand with their life, right? And absolutely, that's what's so frustrating too is they're like, hey, I knew mom would come every every time, whether with a, a regular boyfriend or somebody different, and now she's gone where she needed the help because she served overseas and somebody took advantage. They were ad- adamant about that and very upset. So that's a great point. How old were her children at the time when she disappeared? Um, her son, I believe, was nine, and then daughter was seven. Oh, man. Yeah. They, were, they were tiny, and the, the grandparents lived right across the street from the family, so they were raised by aunts and uncles. So it was a you know, tight-knit family back and forth, and then finally the kids moved in with the grandparents during that time. Oh. Wow. So Jeff and I are both very pro uh police officers um it's too bad that what you see in the newspapers is the ones that may not make the best choices right. uh, to go back to the start of this case how do you feel that the work was done on the investigation in the beginning do you feel like appropriate steps were taken and, and appropriate action was taken i do and that's a great point to bring up um because beforehand you write your reports you do your investigation you do your evidence this was nice to see that some of those missed areas, because again, this started in 2003, four, five, there was not a lot of technology or criminal history that we can run or other address checks. Um, plus it was good to know as a reminder, um, they weren't really good note takers or report writing. So in that area, it could have been a lot easier if they just would have followed a chronological order. Um, I, prob- I do work with some of the detectives that were assigned. They're now lieutenants, sergeants, and so on. So it's good to tell them and keep them updated, but they don't remember anything because mm-hmm. they, they did a search warrant at the house in Lee County. And I have one page document showing that they hit on bloodstains and a carpet with a cadaver dog. I have none of that evidence. I have no documentation if it was sent to the lab. And I have a one page report on what happened because then it was turned over to Lee County but the disconnect was Lee County's like, it wasn't ours. We helped you out, but it wasn't yours. So it's like, but where is everything? And and I've seen that a lot where, um, you know, obviously times have changed and I think everyone realized evidence there is to be collected, Um, but it used to be they'd write like quick notes, you know, and things that would make no sense to you and I reading it, but in their head, they just scribble a quick note and it makes perfect sense to them. And that's where no photos, no other documentation. Um, a lot of stolen property was found when they executed that search warrant that first time, but no one knows where all these items went. So I have no evidence in this case. If it would be a homicide, I have nothing. So it's again, tracking people down to say, okay, in 2003, if earlier, what did you remember? And a lot of people, that's a huge time span to say, listen, COVID happened or this happened, I can't recall. From I think you might have touched on this earlier, but from the time that they went missing until the time, how long was that stretch? It was almost a year. And I talked to the parents that you have to understand, Bonnie, she went to different hospitals, she traveled. So it wasn't um, out of the question, she would touch base with us, but we knew there was a lot of demons that she was working on too. 
and she would she would get better and then she wouldn't get better so we knew kind of the the gist of it but when 2003 hit and it became summer and her kids hadn't heard from him that's when the problem where we need to do something all right so we spent some time talking about bonnie's family what about ronald's family um that's even trickier ronald's family lives about an hour and a half away from us so i did get dna from known relatives when i went to his dad's house again no one had told me um he's actually adopted he has a twin sister they came from overseas so dad that i thought was biological dad is an adopted dad and he was about 96 when i last saw him and that's when he told me these are not my my true kids i loved them like they were my own so i went to his um twin sister i mean they're identical 100 percent. and that was the the weird element and i don't fault her whatsoever she goes i don't want to help I don't want to give you my DNA to go in a database in case he's found. I just don't care to. So that was kind of a, a thrown mm-hmm. loop of, but he's been missing for so long. She goes, I just, I don't want to deal with it. Now, I don't know the background of it. Her son actually was able to consent to DNA. So Ronald's nephew, even though it's DNA removed a lot, um, was able to do that DNA. And I haven't so, talked to them at all in a while. So his twin sister's son, which I think would be fairly decent uh, DNA. Exactly. At least that that binding, you know, paternal DNA or whatever they would share too. Yeah. Oh. Now, can you just go over a a brief description of her? You know, uh, physical attributes and all that. Uh, Then also with him, age and all that. Um, I'll have to look at some of my notes just to make sure about that too. But Bonnie Kelly, um, she actually had full dental uh, panel, whole bunch of other dental work wore glasses for the majority of the time she wasn't seen without them like a reddish auburn or brown hair depending on what you know or where she was fair skinned freckles probably about five four depending weight give or take depending on if um on alcohol prescriptions or anything else between maybe 140 to about 165 um had no limbs had no other scars marks tattoos nothing along those lines um, but now would be about 52, 56, depending. Ronald Stobieski, kind of the same, fairly light-skinned. Um, he would be the same age, 52, around 56. Um, darker hair, depending, again, black or brown, and both of them do have brown eyes. And there's no other discernible features otherwise for them. I appreciate you doing that. And that was good. You like you knew it off the, off the cuff. Great it's almost oh. like you've been doing this for 10 years. Let me tell you, I had like all my notes. I'm like, I'm ready. Let's do this. I know that the family doesn't know that you're on here, um, but is there any sort of message that they would like to to give out to either their loved ones or the people who might know what's happened with yes. them? Yes. Both kids, depending on what they, you know, what they really believe truly, they want to have some sort of closure. So whether it's unfortunately finding remains that we can identify as Bonnie and Ronald because we have that DNA capability, so be it the family's all for that. If it's actually finding them alive and maybe Bonnie and Ronald don't want their families to know and just say, I'm happy, I'm healthy, leave me alone, they're absolutely fine with that. So looking out for public information on anything that could be useful or just, hey, this person matching this description in another state, the family knows it could go either way and they're grateful for anything to go out there. Jeff, this reminds me of uh, the lady that contacted us whose sister was missing for like 15 years. Her husband said she changed her name and moved out of state. So the, f- the family didn't believe it. 
but we were able to track her down and she legitimately moved to North Dakota, left her 18 year old son and was living a whole different life out there. Didn't want to have any contact with the family. So that case wow. scenario does happen. Yeah, there you go. They did get an answer. And that's what we're looking for is, okay, which direction? Cause we're all in Illinois. There was one um, that I looked at for an address out of, um, I think Colorado, Wyoming and Colorado PD was nice enough to actually check the address. It matched her description. It had the full name, the full date of birth. No identity was stolen, but she could never, meaning Colorado PD could never make contact. So again, maybe if we're looking in Colorado, if that's the case, if she just doesn't want any family contact, maybe we can reach out to say, if you know her or see her, let me know. Now, I don't recall if this was mentioned already, wow. but just something that I think the, the people listening should know is that uh, she did have, uh, at one point in time, at least some suicidal tendencies. Yes, her son and daughter both said early on, because of the PTSD struggles and everything else with combat, she did attempt suicide. It would have been with pills and alcohol, but it was always to the point where somebody would get her help or she would turn herself into a hospital, say, this is what I was doing. Is there anyone that uh, could talk to the relationship between the two of them? Like what kind of relationship they had or how long they've had even been together at the point where they disappeared? Um, if you talk to Bonnie's daughter, um, she was like, she changed men so many times. If you talk to her son, the same thing, but they said Ronald coming back to the house each time to meet us and they were together the longest that she's been together with anybody else, maybe a year to two year stretch. But again, it was that rocky relationship of we're broken up, now we're back together, we're broken up. Was there any physical things going on between the two of them as far as abuse or anything like that that we know? Not of? that the kids said or mom and dad said when they were alive, it was just um, there was no physical, there was no domestic violence for that. They might have argued, but it was more about um, money, where they're going to stay, or PTSD prescription stuff, right? Ronald, yeah, Ronald's family does not check in, nor do I call them just because of everything else. Um, the nephew at one point did check in each time, but then he said, unless something breaks, let me know. Um, Bonnie's daughter calls me every every other month. Oh, wow. Space. So they, they definitely want some closure there. Yeah. Which, I mean, I think all of us do at some health. Just to say, we've been there, done that. We know either she's alive or unfortunately something happened and we do have the remains for it. How many um, active or open cases are you working on now with like, that's considered a, a cold case? I am working on this one and two more. Um, so, like you had said when we were first introduced, I'm part of the King County Major Crimes Task Force also. So if smaller agencies have a, you know, homicide or suspicious death or something else that's cold, which we're working on one for a smaller agency, I get assigned that too. So in technical, three total that we're working. Now, how many of these cold cases that you've been involved with over the years have you actually gotten to close? And what is the feeling when you do something like that? I have not gotten a cold case closed um like a missing persons but let's say if we have a gang retaliation shooting and maybe it's been less than a year yes and something happens on that and we get a conviction slash you know everything else goes well it's the best even though everybody hates us not everybody but you know the mentality everybody hates us um you still do good things you still have oh, the good totally. and you still want to i hate to say perform but you want to make sure not only for yourself but your community that we haven't let you down. And that's a great feeling. 
Well, I certainly respect everything you guys do, um, and I'm pretty sure Jeff feels the same. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, we appreciate that. It's good to hear. It's really good to hear. Do you know if the family has set up a Facebook missing persons page yet or anything along those lines or, or who to contact if they have any uh, tips or anything? Yeah, you can actually, yeah, the family does not. Um, I can certainly ask the daughter or the son too at some point. I just don't know who might monitor it, but certainly if they can email me or, you know, call the sheriff's office with a tip or anything else, that's what we're set up for too. We're, we're more than happy to take that phone call or that email. Yeah, and we've, we've actually seen pretty good success with that where a family member will start a Facebook page for a missing person. They get a lot of tips that maybe someone that doesn't feel um, secure enough to call the police department, right. they'll call, uh, they'll get in touch with this anonymous page. Um, yeah, and I'll ask her, I'm emailing her right after to let her know, hey, this is what we did. Hopefully we can have something else too. So I think she would be more than happy to do that. So your supervisor, when you told them you're gonna be on a podcast, did they give you their blessing and they thought that was a good idea or what? Were they concerned oh, yeah. or? My supervisor at some point too, he does uh, drone stuff. He does accident reconstruction like all of us too. He's super busy. He's like, I think that's a great idea. All set for it. If it can bring some sort of new breath into this, absolutely. And that's what even our sheriff is all about too. Where if we can, I guess, elevate this to a different stance than 2003 and have it stagnant, he's all for anything and everything. Awesome. Now in, and I don't think you should stop with just talking to us because I mean, we're a small podcast. So I think you carry this on to other podcasts as well and try to get out to as many people as possible. Well, that's what I'm hoping for at least to yeah, have more exposure um, with that. I mean, our best case scenario is, hey, they're out there someplace and they just live in their lives. So we're kind of hoping and fingers crossed for that. But yeah, right. we'll reach out to other podcasts too. All right, um, what would you like to say just in closing? Um, before we go, is there anything you have? Number one, thank you all for letting me join today. I'm most appreciative of that. Number two is with all the hard work that went into it with the detectives before me and then during right here and then even after, we just want to pass along that information that if you've seen something or know something, pass it along, whether you wish to remain anonymous or not. We're just trying to find Bonnie Kelly and Ronald Stobieski, whether they want to be found and they're just someplace else. We completely understand that and respect that, or if something else happened, we'd like to know and at least follow up on that. So that's our true commitment as to why we're just getting that word out. All right, Amy, thank you so much for joining us and we hope you have a good night. All right, you too, hopefully uh, there's no snowstorm. I don't know, Northeaster, well, I don't know, coming through. It's like negative 25 here, we're fine. Uh, okay. I, yeah, two, I heard that. Two so. feet of snow coming our way, so. Super fun, yeah, negative 25 here, two feet of snow, we're living the dream. Let's <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to move to Florida, right? I know, right? Or even the Caribbean, I don't even care anymore. Just yeah. let's go, yeah, done. Well, you guys have a great week too, and thank you All so right. much. Yeah, thank, thank you, you, Amy. Have, have a, a good, good one. one. All, All right, right. Bye. bye. We would like to thank Detective Amy Johnson for taking the time to reach out to us about this case. It's very encouraging to see an officer reaching out to such a small podcast such as ours just to try and spread the message and get answers for the families of missing persons. It's also very upsetting to hear about all the red tape that they have to deal with just to get some simple answers. The family is in the process of setting up a Facebook page for Bonnie and Roland, and we will share it out as soon as it's ready. 
Now, if you have any information about this case, please contact the Kane County Sheriff's Office at 630-232-6840. And as always, thanks for listening. Taylor, Taylor Williams led investigators to Alabama this week. So we have some breaking news from Florida. An arrest has been made. Tonight, after years of agony, a glimmer of hope for the family. Investigators spent hours searching through this house off Pennsylvania Avenue. What could be a major development in the search for missing Alabama teenager. Tonight, a stunning twist in the search for Taylor. Somebody out there knows something. They want to lay him to rest their way, not by somebody else's way.